Today we celebrate the fact that Rachel Pawson has chosen to be obedient to the Lord and following the Lord in baptism. And today in preparation for that and for our own encouragement, I want to give an explanation from God's word of what is about to take place. And I want to do this for her sake, for our sake as a church body, and for anyone here who may not yet have received the gospel of Jesus Christ, not become a Christian, and not yet been baptized. So I want you to consider this as we proceed to baptize Rachel Pawson. Baptism is one of the two ordinances of a Christian church. An ordinance, like a city ordinance, is a law. So... In the town of Waterville, there are a number of ordinances that refer to parking and and zoning and a number of other things. Recently, you probably remember that there was a new ordinance for parking on Madison Street. And that affected some of you, that you're not allowed to park during certain hours of the day. And that's how it is in this area because of the ordinances. And baptism is a Christian ordinance because it is a law that Christ gave to the church. Because Jesus said in Matthew 28, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's what a church must do. Because that's what Jesus Christ, the head of the church, has given the church to do. Now this is why churches that profess to be Christian churches practice this ordinance. Catholic churches, Lutheran churches, Presbyterian churches, Baptist churches, for example, they all practice this ordinance as well as the second ordinance, the Lord's Supper. And as I look around at all of you, and I consider your religious backgrounds, your family's religious background, your neighbor's religious backgrounds, you understand this. You've seen this ordinance practiced in all kinds of different Christian churches because this practice of baptism is common within Christendom at large. It's nothing unique within the Baptist denomination. Within Christendom, this religious ordinance is what would admit a person to the church. That said, there is a great disagreement about what this practice of baptism means. It's common, but it's disagreed upon what it means. So, for example, you might have a Catholic neighbor or a Catholic family member, or you were raised Catholic, so you know that the Catholics believe that baptism is the sacrament of regeneration. That is, when an infant is baptized, he is then reborn as a son of God. He is freed from sin, particularly the original sin that he was born with. And Catholics believe that their practice of baptism and belief about baptism, that it brings about the salvation and the removal of sin, they believe that from what Peter said on the day of Pentecost when Peter said, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Therefore, the water and the citation of the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, when baptism is practiced, when that occurs... It results in the forgiveness of sin. That's what the Catholic Church teaches. And that's why so many Catholic friends that you have make sure to baptize their children so that their children, even as infants, will be forgiven of their sin. But evangelical denominations strongly object to the Catholic belief. 
And it's really important to notice this difference. Because evangelical churches proclaim that Christ alone saves people from their sin. Religious rites, whether baptism or the Lord's Supper or some kind of religious ritual, none of those things can secure the forgiveness of sins. But as we look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the whole basis here of, of forgiveness of sins through baptism, we need to understand what it means. Evangelicals look at the way it's translated and they think, it's that, they think that it's problematic. Because the, the Catholics read that being baptized results in forgiveness. Whereas the underlying language points to basis. Let me retranslate it, and it's in your bulletin this way. Be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, on the basis of the forgiveness of your sins. Given that you've been forgiven of your sins, then be baptized. Now, just because a preacher who knows the original languages says something like that, doesn't mean you believe him. He has to prove his point, and that's what I'd like to do for a moment. By other passages of Scripture where this Greek preposition is used. So, for example, we could turn to Matthew 3, verses 11, where John the Baptist is baptizing. And perhaps you remember that it says that he was baptizing for repentance. He was baptizing for repentance, the same term here. But you remember in the same context that John the Baptist denies baptism to a certain group of people. Do you remember who it was? It was to the Pharisees. And he said to them that you ought to bear the fruits of repentance before you come to be baptized. The point is John's baptism was on the basis of their repentance. They repented and then they were baptized. So he baptized them on the, on the basis that they were already repenting of their sin. Similar situation comes up in Luke eleven thirty two. 32. This is where Jesus speaks of the people of Nineveh who repented because of the preaching of Jonah. Same reason. Because they heard what Jonah said and they believed it, they repented. So we look at Acts chapter 2 and Peter is compelling his hearers to repent. And if they would repent, they would receive the forgiveness of sins. And once someone does that, then each one of those people must be baptized in obedience to God. And that truth is abundantly clear throughout Scripture, but all you have to do is turn the page forward to chapter 3, where Peter again says when he preaches, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. Chapter 10, Peter says it again, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. So the doctrine of salvation by Christ alone, as well as these grammatical things, all of those things uphold what we understand to be the way of salvation. There is only one way to find the forgiveness of sins. That is through Jesus Christ. That is contrary to the teaching of the Catholic Church that understands the waters of baptism to be effective in taking away your sins. I want to make it abundantly clear. When Rachel comes to be baptized, we are not taking away her sins. There is nothing holy or special about the water up here. 
Evangelicals believe that baptism does not result in the forgiveness of sins or in regeneration. That said, evangelicals disagree about what baptism does mean. So let me explain to you, because some of you may have friends who are Presbyterian or Reformed. Those who are Presbyterian or Reformed, they believe, they hold to the covenantal or the promissory nature of baptism. That's kind of different language because we're not Presbyterian or Reformed, so we don't use that kind of language here. But they would say that baptism to the church is what circumcision was to Israel. So circumcision was an outward sign of admission in the Old Covenant community. So baptism is the outward sign of admission into the New Covenant community. Seems easy. So just as an infant was circumcised in Israel, so infants are baptized in Reformed churches. Now that's a stark contrast to Catholics. Because Orthodox Reformed churches maintain that a baptized covenant child must still come to personal faith and trust in Christ for the forgiveness of his sins. Just as was the case for Old Testament Israel. Just because an Israelite was circumcised didn't make him a a member of the people of God. He had to have the circumcision of the heart. But in contrast... We Baptists maintain that baptism is not a, it's not a parallel to physical circumcision, but to spiritual circumcision. You heard Ernie read this morning, this morning from Colossians 2 where it says, The circumcision made without hands. That is the work of God, regenerating the heart, making the believer alive. Orthodox Baptist churches understand baptism to be the outward act signifying an inward reality. The outward act is baptism. That's what you have before you on the screen. This is a mikvah in Jerusalem. These are what everyone would have been familiar with as far as what does it mean to be baptized. It meant you go down into the pool and you're baptized. So when we talk about baptisms by immersion, you didn't have to explain it to them because you still have these in Israel today. They have baptismals there. It was always like this. That's what we practice in Baptist churches, baptism by immersion. This outward act reflects an inward reality, and that inward reality is regeneration, that God has made a believer alive. He's been born again. So Christian baptism is the outward act which symbolizes a believer's identification with the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. In the plainest terms... When a person is converted to Christianity, he's baptized to make his conversion public. When a person is converted to Christianity, he is baptized to make his conversion public. Nowadays, we have a lot of ways that we can make things public. You can send a letter. You can post something in the newspaper. You can update your status on social media. But when it comes to what Christ commands in the church... He commands that everyone who believes in him, who has been converted, that he would make that public by baptism. So we read Acts 2. We read it earlier in the service today. And you heard what Peter said to the Jews there in Jerusalem. He called them to faith in Christ. And then the whole episode concludes, as it says on the front of your bulletin today. Those who received his word were baptized. After the sermon, after the preacher preached, after the preacher gave his call to action, what did they do? Those who received the word 
were baptized. See, a person is converted when he receives the word of God, in particular when he receives the gospel of Jesus Christ. He acknowledges the fact that there is one and true living God who made all things and will bring all things into judgment one day. He confesses the fact that he has fallen short of the glory of God. He has failed to love God supremely at every moment of his life. His only hope, then, is to trust in what God has provided, to trust completely and exclusively in the work of Jesus Christ on his behalf for the forgiveness of sins. That's conversion in the Christian faith. That's what we'd simply refer to receiving the word. It's accepting the message of the Bible that you've heard. And in just a moment, you're going to hear Rachel confessed how she received the message of the gospel, which resulted in her salvation. But just by way of application, why don't you all take a moment to search your own heart and to consider whether or not you have received what you've heard. Perhaps you've been here many times. You've heard many sermons. You've not really listened. Okay, I know that happens. I know you have bad days. I know sometimes the kids act up or this or that's on your mind. I understand that. Perhaps you've come and you listened and you thought it sounded really good. You liked it. I'm not asking about that. I'm asking, have you received the word? Have you accepted the gospel truth about yourself? For some of you, you have. I would say you have. Because you've done exactly what Peter told the people there on Pentecost to do. He wanted them to receive what he was saying to them. And it says to those who received his word, they were baptized just as Peter instructed them to do. And some of you have received the word of the gospel about Jesus Christ. And you already have taken the first step of obedience as a Christian. You've been baptized. And you have identified with Christ in baptism. Because baptism is not a silent ceremony. Baptism is a naming ceremony. Kids, I want you to take careful note in just a moment when Rachel is baptized. There's going to be some things that are said. And that's important. Because baptism is a naming ceremony. We baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Because we're identifying a person with God, that the person belongs to God. Now, what that practically means is this. Those who have not been baptized have not yet made their faith public. If you are unbaptized, you have not made your faith public. Now, that could be because you don't have any faith in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins. That could be why. It could be because you have not yet received what God has said. Or it could be that you haven't taken the first step of obedience that the Lord Jesus Christ, the sovereign of the entire universe, calls you as a Christian to take. You've not yet received Christ's command to be baptized, realizing you have received his word. And if that's the case for you, you should be baptized. That's what God wants for you today. If you have faith in him, if you've been saved, if you've been born again, you should be baptized. That's Christ's command. That's his word on the matter. 
You say, well, how will people respond if, if I do that? Well, this church would respond just like the people did there on Pentecost. Those who received the word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls, added to the company of believers, to the church. When a person goes through this sequence of receiving the word, being baptized, and joining a church, the church rejoices because they're doing what the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has required, demands of his people. But if someone doesn't do that, then a church does not recognize that person as a Christian. Make this plain. As a church, we don't affirm the faith of those who do not obey Christ's command to repent and be baptized. We're not saying that you're an ugly person. We're not saying in any way that we don't like you. What we're saying is that we only affirm People to be Christians who repent and believe, who are obedient and follow the Lord's command to be baptized. And today, we get to rejoice that Rachel is obedient to the Lord and that we can affirm her faith that she wants to follow the Lord in baptism. Now, Rachel, allow me to speak directly to you about an implication that the Apostle Paul makes about baptism in Romans 6. And as I speak to Rachel, I'm obviously reminding the rest of us about the same implication. So the, the words for all of us. But since you're getting baptized today, it's especially for you. Romans 6, 4 says this. We are buried, therefore, with him, with Christ, by baptism into death. Romans 6, 4 connects Burial with baptism. And the reason that burial and baptism go together is because both of them are public observations of death. Kind of a sad reality. But it's a happy reality in our case. The sad reality is at a graveside, when you see the body of a deceased person lowered into the ground, we witness that the person is truly dead. But even so, when a person is baptized, we witness that the person is dead, but that you're dead to sin. You're dead to the old way of living. That's what Christ says. The baptism doesn't set you free from sin, but it does announce to everyone that you have been set free from sin by the grace of God. So what Romans 6 is saying is that when we have died to sin, We are now to walk in newness of life. So Rachel, as well as the rest of us, walk in newness of life by the grace of God. Consider yourself dead to sin because that's what's happened in your life and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Rachel, we are so, so thankful that you have wanted to follow the Lord in baptism. Would you come now? And would you share with the rest of us your testimony of faith? Good morning. My name's Rachel Passon, and I'm going to share my testimony right now. I grew up in a Christian home and feel very blessed that I did. Although I knew about God and would have proudly called myself a Christian at a young age, my walk wasn't my own. I realize now, at that point in my life, I was defining my faith 
by my upbringing and my parents' faith. As I left home and my adult life progressed, there was a pivotal shift in my heart. I was convicted of my sin and my desperate need for a savior. My life has forever changed since I had that realization. I desire, to pers- I desire and pursue a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm getting baptized today out of obedience to Christ's command and to show publicly my faith and commitment.